Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Politics by Faith. I'm Mike Slater. I'm so grateful you're here, especially for today's show this Christmas week. The story of the day is Christmas is stressful. <laughs> That's the, we'll get back to the news Next week, we got to talk about the Republicans betraying their voters by voting for the spending bill. We'll get to that. Today, the story of the day is Christmas is stressful. And it's coming up on Sunday, don't you know? Today's episode is all about expectations, the expectations you might have for this weekend, and, and my encouragement to you, to me, to slow it all down. So let's break it down. Did you ever have a Christmas when you were a kid and there was some toy you really, really wanted, but you didn't get it? You expected it. You expected to get it. You were certain that Santa would bring it to you. You were a good boy. You were a good girl. Surely Santa would remember me. He checks his list twice after all, but you didn't get it. <sighs> Heartbreaking disappointment. Expectations can be brutal. As a defense mechanism in life, and I'm not saying this is good or healthy, I just, it's just what I've done, is I, I set very low expectations for everything. So when I go to a movie, I expect it to be terrible. Now, most of them are, so it's not way off base here. But then if it's okay, if the movie's okay, I'm pleasantly surprised. So it's great. Now, again, I don't know if that's the best way to go through life. It's probably not, always assuming that everything will be terrible. It feels a bit like a life hack, and I don't like life hacks. But my point is, this weekend, you are going in with a lot of expectations, and they might be really high. So I have three prayers going into this weekend for me, for you. First, your expectations may be way too high. John Eldridge wrote about a Williams and Sonoma catalog that he got in the mail. Williams Sonoma, very expensive kitchen tools and appliances. He says it calls itself a catalog for cooks, but really it's a catalog of the life we wish we had. Everything is beautiful, delicious, elegant. The kitchens portrayed are immaculate. There are no messes. How many times are you going to clean up <laughs> the kitchen this week? Cooking there would be a joy. The tables are sumptuous with their beautiful china place settings, wine glasses brimming with nectar, gourmet foods deliciously prepared, invitingly presented. Fresh flowers abound. The homes are lovely and spacious. The view out the windows is always a mountain lake, <laughs> a beach, or perhaps an English garden. Everything is as it ought to be. Don't expect that. That's, that's not real life. 
keep your expectations in check. That's my first prayer. Second, the pressure can be way too high and pressure kills joy. Pressure kills everything. Pressure kills romance. Pressure, pressure kills it all. Pressure kills joy. So release the pressure that you may have to experience whatever it is you want to experience. Release the pressure. Third prayer, uh, things move way too fast. So I pray that we can all slow it down. One of the truest cliches is that the days when you're raising kids, the days are long, but the years are fast. That's true, except on Christmas. On Christmas, it's all way too fast. So keep expectations in check, release the pressure, slow it all down. You know, time flies. I feel like it wasn't even Halloween. And, and it wasn't Halloween and Home Depot had Christmas decorations for sale. <laughs> I thought that was crazy. I walked in and said, what are you doing, Home Depot? Selling Christmas decorations. It's not even Halloween. And now Christmas is almost over. Part of the problem with Home Depot is they make you feel behind. I'm sure there's other stores like this too, but really the only store I ever go to is Home Depot. It makes you, it makes you feel behind because you go in there in September and they have Christmas decorations already. And you're like, what are you, I haven't even thought about Halloween. I must be behind. Well, you're not behind. They're just really far ahead. But you feel behind and that makes things feel like they're moving faster. Too fast to keep up. There's just so much momentum this time of year. Maybe there's times of the year where it just drags. But these last few months are lightning fast. And that's such a shame because it's such a great time of year, potentially. And I, want to, I don't want it to pass without experiencing it. And as we talked about on last Tuesday's episode, there can also be a lot of sadness this time of year, even though just something as simple as the sadness of Christmas afternoon. Because when Christmas morning's over and it's Christmas afternoon, you are further away from Christmas morning than any other time of the year. It's a whole nother 364 and a half days away. The next Christmas. So if your happiness is Christmas morning, you're never further away than on Christmas afternoon. So there's always a sadness to that. But I pray you get a partial glimpse of heaven this weekend, even if it's just for a second of true joy. What a blessing that could be. So what's really going on here? I was thinking the other day about the difference between expectations and hope. It feels like, correct me if I'm wrong here, this just could be my perception. It feels like to expect something implies you know it will happen. I expect this out of you, children. I expect it. So then when it doesn't happen, the disappointment's even greater. But if you merely hope something will happen, that almost implies it probably won't. So if it doesn't, eh, I, know I didn't really think it was. I was just hoping. That would be my definitions of the words, but I think it's backwards. I looked up the original definitions, which you have to only use. Webster's Dictionary 1828.com. Uh, the word hope is a desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or a belief that it is obtainable. Hope differs from wish and desire in this that it implies some expectation of obtaining the good desired or the possibility of possessing it. 
Hope, therefore, always gives pleasure or joy, whereas wish or desire may produce or be accompanied with pain and anxiety. Interesting. So the original definition of hope is that there is the expectation that it would happen. So hope was closer to it being real than I think, at least I think of it today. Uh, second definition, confidence in a future event. Confidence. The highest degree of well-founded expectation of good as a hope founded on God's gracious promises. Wow, so, there, so the original definition of hope was confidence. Not like, oh, well, I hope. Maybe. It was a confidence. And the original definition of to expect is to wait for, and, and check this one out, to entertain at least a slight belief that an event will happen. So it seems like we've switched it. We've switched it around. I suppose expectation could be reasonable or unreasonable, good or bad. Maybe the difference is, are your expectations based on the Bible or based on the world? Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man. You have some plans this weekend? Mm, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. It's kind of like a you plan, God laughs. But I love that. Did you catch the new word there? Purpose of the Lord that will stand. So you have purpose and that you also have the promises of the Lord. Oh, well, those are the things we need to spend more time on. Forget about the, the expectations or the hopes. No, no, we got to talk about the promises. Okay, we'll get back to that. But let's lament here for a little bit. Something's going to go wrong this weekend. Could be a lot of things. A lot of things. could. It could be a disaster or just a little thing. Maybe you overcooked the turkey. You burned the gravy, whatever. Or it could be a very big thing. I won't say any examples. Don't want to put it out there. Let me quote from Randy Alco. But by the way, of course, something's going to go wrong. It always will. And that's okay. Here's Randy Alcorn. Nothing is more often misdiagnosed than our homesickness for heaven. We all have it. We all have a homesickness for heaven, but we can't diagnose it properly. We think that what we want is sex, drugs, alcohol, a new job, a raise, a doctorate, a spouse, a large screen TV, a new car, a cabin in the woods, a condo in Hawaii, or dare I add, a perfect Christmas weekend. What we really want is the person we were made for, Jesus, and the place we were made for, heaven. Nothing less can satisfy us. And oh, we're trying to be satisfied with things that are less. One more Alcorn. The most tragic strain in human existence lies in the fact that the pleasure which we find in the things of this life, however good that pleasure may be in itself, is always taken away from us. That's what I was talking about earlier with you get the pleasure maybe of Christmas morning and then it's Christmas afternoon and it's gone. The thing for which men strive hardly ever turn out to be as satisfying as they expected. And in the rare cases in which they do, sooner or later they are snatched away. For the Christians, all those partial, broken, and fleeting perfections which he glimpses in the world around him, which wither in his grasp and he snatches away from him even while they wither, are found again, perfect, complete, and lasting in the absolute beauty of God. So you get these glimpses, these fleeting moments. Do you want them more perfect, more complete, and to last forever? 
you know where to find them. This is a uh, broken world full of broken people. This weekend's not going to go as expected. Until when, Cider, when will things go perfectly? Matthew 19, rich man goes up, asks Jesus what he has to do for eternal life. That's what he wants. He wants eternal life. Jesus said, you got to keep the commandments. And the man said, which ones? Jesus lists a bunch. He says, oh, I've kept them all. What do I still lack? Verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, you want to be perfect, go. Sell what you possess, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Oh, he wouldn't let go of it. He wouldn't let go of that one thing he still wanted. He wouldn't give it all up to make Jesus Lord of his life. And then Peter, right after this, Peter says, we've left everything and followed you. What about us? What then will we have? And Jesus says this, this is ESV. Truly, I say to you in the new world, we'll get back to that. In the new world, when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. The key word I want to focus on is uh, in the beginning. Truly, I say to you, in the new world, that's what he says, in the new world. The NIV version says, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. So in the new world, at the renewal of all things, the Greek word here, palengenesia, it means at the regeneration so this Greek word is two words combined. So pollen means new or again. And then genesia is the word genesis, the beginning. So the Greek word here is at the beginning again. So Jesus is saying at the beginning again, at the renewal of all things in the new world, that is when things will be whole. That is when you will no longer merely get partials but you will get the whole thing forever. Let's go back in history for a bit. Harriet Beecher Stowe, she was born in 1811. She was an abolitionist, Christian. She wrote 30 books. Most famous was Uncle Tom's Cabin, based on the life of Josiah Henson. Please read The Road to Dawn about the life of Josiah Henson. It's spectacular. Uh, so Uncle Tom's Cabin, of course, 1852, uh, as the story goes, Lincoln met her in person and said, so this is the little lady who started the Great War, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uh, so uh, inflamed this abolitionist anti-war, excuse me, anti-slavery spirit that uh, it sparked perhaps the Civil War. It was the second best-selling book of the entire 19th century behind the Bible itself. Isn't that amazing? And how many people have ever read it today? <laughs> like, I'll give you the second most, second most popular book of a hundred years and like no one's right. But she, Harriet Beecher Stowe, lived a life of sorrow. She had seven children. Only three survived into adulthood. When she was 71, she wrote, I, I take that back. At the time of this letter, only three survived. There was another uh, boy, her, one of her sons, who survived into adulthood, but uh, he died. He was an alcoholic and sailed to San Francisco and died. Never, he was never heard from again, so he died sometime in adulthood. Um, but all the other kids died when they were kids. The point is, she saw a lot. 
she was 71 and she was going through her papers and all these memories of her life were flooding back to her. And she wrote this to her only surviving son, Charlie. She said, I'm reading old letters when so many of the writers are gone from earth. It seems to me like going into the world of spirits. Letters full of the warm, eager, anxious, busy life that is forever past. My own letters too, full of bygone scenes in my early life and the childish days of my children. It is affecting to me to recall things that strongly moved me years ago, that filled my thoughts and made me anxious when the occasion and emotion have wholly vanished from my mind. Oh, that's so good. So she's so torn first with these beautiful memories. And we'll get to that in a second. My wife and I, you know, your iPhone, it'll just pop up memory, like video pictures and videos, memories from this day, last year or two years ago or whatever. And it's like, oh, break my heart. Look at our little babies. I mean, our kids are six, four, two and a month old, right? But still, you're like, oh, here's Jack when he was two. You're like, oh my gosh, time absolutely flies. It's so sad. So she had that. But then she also is reading about all these uh, things that were causing her anxiety that she totally forgot about. It's like, I don't even, I, <laughs> I, don't, I haven't thought of that in 30 years. Why was it causing me so much anxiety then? There's some lessons there. And then she writes about her own letters. This is so great. She says, written in the, she's talking about letters that she wrote in the first two years of marriage when Mr. Stowe was in Europe and I was looking forward to motherhood and preparing for it. My letters when my whole life was within the four walls of my nursery, my thoughts absorbed by the developing character of children who have now lived their earthly life and gone to the eternal one. So she's just reviewing her life before she was pregnant. Then when she was raising little babies in the nursery, and then when they were young children forming their character, and then again, most of them dying very early because that's what happened in the early 1800s. So then she's, again, time flies, time flies. She's 71 thinking about this. And then she uh, reads through these letters written to and from friends who have died years ago. She says, I have letters from them all, but they've been long in spirit land. And know more about how it is there than I do. And this is the key line. This is why I want to share it. It gives me a sort of dizzy feeling of the shortness of life and nearness of eternity when I see how many that I have traveled with are gone within the veil. Do you feel that? Do you feel a dizzy feeling this time of year? Life moves fast. All of it. From the deciding to have kids to your life being within the full four walls of the nursery to everyone around you passing away. It's enough to give you a sort of dizzy feeling at the shortness of life and the nearness of eternity. God, I pray I can slow it down. I just want to slow it down. And I don't want to have all that anxiety either. But here's the thing. Uh, things don't happen on your time. <laughs> uh, what a bummer, but it's true. Great scene in the Bible. First Chronicles 22. Uh, David says to Solomon, starts at verse seven, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. But this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and met, fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight, but you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest. And I will give him rest from all of his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon. And I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house 
for my name. Right? So David wanted to build it, but God's like, nah, you're not going to, but your son will. Now, my son, the Lord be with you. And may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God, as he said you would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success. If you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And then David uh, talks about all the steps and preparations he's made to help his son out building of the temple. Like David wanted to do everything he could. If he wasn't going to build it, he wanted to prepare best he could. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, all getting ready for his son to finish the job. And David never got to see his great desire fulfilled. It wasn't on, it wasn't going to get done on his timing. Must have been hard for David to so badly want to build that temple, but to have God tell him that it wasn't going to be him to do it. He had to give, he had to relinquish, give up this great desire of his. But then David went and talked about all the amazing things that God did allow him to do and then took great gratitude that it was his son, Solomon, who was going to complete the task. There are things we want to do on our timing. God won't let us. Will we still be grateful? And what's David's advice for his son? This is so good. He says, this is First uh, Chronicles 28, verse 9. Uh, and you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. So his advice to his son is know God and serve him. It's great. But again, the point on this episode is that it wasn't done on David's time. It wasn't done when David was wanting it or hoping or expecting. And that's okay. One last point on expecting. Mary and Joseph were not expecting <laughs> any of this. They weren't expecting this visit from Gabriel. The Pharisees were not expecting the Messiah to look or come like this. And one of the facts that, to me, proved the divinity of the Bible, for, for me personally, one of many, is that none of the disciples expected Jesus to rise from the dead. None of them. He told them plainly, I will rise after three days. <laughs> Why? He, many times. Why didn't the disciples, after Jesus was crucified, why weren't they all just like, well, it's okay. That's fine. He's, he'll be back in three days. He said he would. Why weren't they just waiting for three days? They didn't. They weren't like, they should have been waiting outside his tomb being like, what day is it? All right. We got another 24 hours probably. That's about right. They, they didn't do that. They all went, they gave up. They went back to work. And then even when Jesus came back, they told Thomas like, Hey, he rose from the dead. And Thomas like, I don't believe it. They still didn't believe it. The woman went to the tomb to anoint the body. They thought the body would still be there. They didn't expect him to rise from the dead. How could they not have expected? He said so. They all went back to work. John 21, Jesus sees a bunch of the disciples fishing again. And then Peter finally realizes it was Jesus jumps off the boat and into the water. To go. So you have all, there's a bunch of hilarious stories of Jesus revealing himself to the disciples after he rose from the dead. None of them were expecting it, even though Jesus told them this is what he's going to do. I just When you start expecting things... We don't think clearly. <laughs> That's my point. Put your expectations aside. Always for everything. For this weekend too. And for everything else in your life. God has it. So what's in my control? Going into this Christmas weekend. First John 5.21 Dear children, keep away from idols. Keep yourselves away from idols. But I like this translation as well. It says, dear children, 
Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. That's what an idol is. Is there anything this weekend that might take God's place in your hearts? First John 5, 21. Dear children, keep away anything. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. I'm going to need to be reminded of that many times this weekend. All right, what's the uh, final thought to think on as we're just moments away from the big day? I hope your Christmas has healthy expectations. I pray that you can find ways to release the pressure and also to slow it down. The only way to do that is to be still and know that I am God. Psalm 62, truly my soul finds rest in God. Don't you need rest this weekend? It's so busy. You need rest. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. I hope you find rest this weekend. I hope you find rest in him this weekend. I hope you find rest in him every day. Politics by faith. Mike Slater. Merry Christmas.